0: This is the Cover Two Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle. For Gronkowski makes the grab at the 45, Go spinning boy. away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5. Cover 2 podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown. Touchdown Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2.
1: Eight different receivers have caught a pass from Matt Ryan today. And he's looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones. passes And in the end zone, touchdown Falcons.
0: Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens.
1: Welcome back. This is the latest episode of the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. I am Don Banks, joined by Nick Stevens, my trusty co-host. And Nick, it was a memorable week in the NFL, week three was, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, And we're looking forward to a week four that I think has just a bevy of of decent matchups already. But first, I didn't sleep much last night, Nick, so I'm a little rusty oh did morning. your
0: four-year-old come in your bedroom like mine does every night
1: uh, the 17-year-old <laughs> cat did but not I don't have a four-year-old anymore do you have
0: are you having Red Sox potential I, playoff anxiety yeah are you, are you suffering from anxiety right now I am
1: indeed yeah. uh, I know this is your turf when it comes to the Patriots but I don't suffer on that end because uh, it's worked for me but the Red Sox I've kind of been warning you all along this season that this is not a team that is going to do anything easily. Mm-mm. So the last two nights have been difficult because, as I assess it, that 8-1 and one road trip was just a mere setup for our final um, last week of sweaty palms and hand-wringing, and here we are. I mean, I know you can say a five-game lead with seven to play is unblowable, but it's not, and we're already— <laughs> Two steps toward it. Now right. it's three games with five, and if you look at who we've got left, four against Houston, Toronto's kicking our butt. I'm, I'm already deeply, deeply into we're blowing this, we're going to choke type of thinking.
0: And that the Red Sox would revert back to the wild card position yes. and then the Yankees would take the East. Exactly. So Houston would rather finish he- the Red Sox off now as opposed to have to face them in the first round of the ALDS potentially you I, think that's possible? Yes, I do. I do. Well, how how is it possible I think that Houston's, you could think wait, this team is capable of coming down to the wire and either fulfilling, not exceeding the, the predictions and potential, but driving you crazy to the end? I mean, what have they played? Only 18 extra inning games this season? <laughs> this, Don, one in every nine games they play can't be decided in nine innings. This is quintessential Red Sox the way this team
1: is constructed because the 8-1 and one road trip— Gave them a cushion, so now they relax. They're two. They come home. They're playing the team that's in last place in their division with their two best pitchers lined up: Pomerantz and Sale, seventeen-game winners. Right. And of course, they both get ripped. And so now the you're... two of
0: them pitch like uh, you know Cape Cod batting cage machines. Yes. Against uh, Josh Donaldson, just looks like he's seeing thirty-six ounce ribeye steaks being thrown at him by Pomerantz and Sale two Sale, four home runs last night. They're supposed to clean up against the cream cheese, and instead they get walloped by them.
1: Three home runs by Josh Donaldson in two nights. All right, so let's not pitch to him anymore. And So now we've got to trust that Rick Porcello, who I believe leads the majors in home runs allowed against a home run hitting Blue Jays team, is go- that's going to end well. And then you've got to put your trust in either Eduardo Rodriguez, who, let's be honest, you never know what you're going to get when he goes to the mound, and then Doug Fister, who's had... Two or three shaky starts of late. Uh, shaky. You know who's our savior? You know I have this scenario. I was talking about it. Kevin Collins has our producer has the exact same scenario in his mind.
0: The savior is bourbon. Yeah. You know
1: that, right? I love well, that too. <laughs> uh, David Price on Sunday gets a emergency start no. and it's a delivers us game. delivers us basically
0: the East title. Wow. So that's, ha- that's how this has to end. It, that's the only way for him to save favor and face in Boston. Like you know, if the, you, like if you bought John Lackey winning the World Series in 2013 on Amazon, they would recommend David Price exactly. pitching for the East on Sunday. Here's in why it's going to work.
1: It's not a playoff game technically, so he can't go into oh. his playoff game meltdown mode. But it really is a playoff game. And it'll
0: still be. No, it'll be October. Don't forget. It's the, October 1st. The only member of the Price family that's going to deliver in October is his wife because she's pregnant.
1: <laughs> He's here all week. Nick Stevens Thank you, it. everybody. Um, no, I, I, I can honestly see a scenario where they stretch him out and long. Maybe he comes in in the third inning for sale because they don't want him to throw too many pitches in Houston to see him more than one time around the lineup. I could see David Price pitching six innings of relief.
0: <laughs> Do you think the first home run Springer's going to hit off him goes 500 uh, feet, or does it actually it. clear the railroad track? I was at a game where Springer no, it's, did that. Wait, they're here, actually, right? Yeah, it's in here. Fenway. They're here. Yeah. Oh, so it clears the parking lot over exactly. the monster. Okay.
1: Or perhaps even the Pike. Who knows? Right. Altuve wraps up the batting Sitgo Sit-go sign. <laughs> anyway, I'm uh, I'm not in a good place with my Red Sox right now because they torture us. And, and I saw this in some bizarre way coming all year mm-hmm. that nothing will be easy for this team. And it's not going to be this week either. i,
0: I got to say, I, I it's not that we're returning to the days of all like, oh, poor Red Sox no, no, fans. No, no. You only get your three no. World Series this century. But at the same time, I miss a little bit of the romantic drama of that classic old line, uh, the guy that said, the Red Sox, they killed my father, and and now they're coming from me. Yeah, Yeah, there was a certain charm to that. There was. There absolutely was. And now we're just a bunch of insufferable Patriots fans who get treated to another epic Tom Brady come-from-behind win. (gasps) S-O-S-D-D for TB12.
1: Well, all I'll say is um, I'm going Thursday night, uh, the first game of the Houston series. I have pretty good seats. Kevin Collins and his girlfriend are mm-hmm. coming with my wife and I. And if there is an incident where someone is on the field, the cameras won't show it, but it's probably me. Uh, just so you know,
0: I have already given Kevin my cell phone number, a series of medications, and it
1: won't be like medical like
0: that. instructions. <laughs> it, Kevin knows when to call me at what time for what reason.
1: It won't be like the scene in Fever Pitch at the end where Drew Barrymore is on oh. the field. It won't be like that. It'll it'll be. Uh, and I'll Kevin be- can
0: be there, obviously, to offer insight.
1: I will uh I'll probably be headed for, you know, whoever's on the mound at that right. point or something uh, like that. This
0: just in, Lansdowne Street Bars get Rich Off Banks Thursday night.
1: All right, we're going to pivot now to the NFL. It's what we talk about on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Um last weekend was really interesting. I mean, not only did you have the backdrop of clearly what went on with uh the anthem, the protest, um Movement and the activism with the president's comments kind of inflaming the situation. But, and then this, this is the coolest part. It was one of those weeks. It was such mm-hmm. great drama on field. Like we thought all the drama was going to be before the ball was kicked off. Right. Who said, who did, who showed what type of unity or, or solidarity or what sort of protest would there be? Well, there was that. And then the game started and took our kind of took our breath away because it was one of those nothing makes sense type of nfl weeks
0: a nothing makes sense type of nfl week begins with an 80 point thursday night madden bowl between the rams and the 49ers everybody had used it as a punchline. everybody had written it off long in advance nobody was even watching but i think by the end of the game I bet you there's a rating spike. I haven't seen the numbers, but I bet there was because social media lit up with one person telling another, the old viral neighbor effect like, wait, you're missing this incredible game on Thursday Night Football. That was as much fun as I've had watching a game non-team I root for or Super Bowl edition in a long time. What a blast.
1: I mean, by the end of the game, I even kind of liked the Rams' uniforms.
0: It was that that
1: enticing. And the more you watched, the more you thought... All right, this is over. No, it's not over. But
0: the 49er Ninja uniform's got to go.
1: And then of course, you had the controversial pass interf- offensive pass right. interference call, which if you, if you add controversy to a great game like that at the end. Now, I understand not mm-hmm. everybody thinks 80 points equals great. I I have people who say defense. I'm I'm with you most of the time. I like defense too. I didn't see it as bad defense. I saw it as good offense that night.
0: It was there was a lot of creative play calling. Hoyer yeah. was on the move, Goff Getting everybody involved. He was thrown to Woods, thrown to Watkins, thrown to Cup. How about Todd Gurley scoring more fantasy points in one night than he did in the entire 2016 season? Hey. I'd like seeing the rise of as much as we love seeing the the clutch play of the old guys, the Rodgers and the Brady's on Sunday. It was nice to also give rise to some of the new guys. Watching Shanahan and McVeigh call great games and seeing an influx of creativity, play calling, and talent into the league and uh. Oh, this just in as well. Uh, Jeff Fisher, yeah. That was some 7 or 9 BS. It was time to go. Yeah.
1: That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. But so anyway, week three, the games gave us so much. The Jets looked like a pro football team. And Jay Cutler reminded everyone he's still Jay Cutler. Unbelievable. The Giants-Eagles game, the 61-yard field goal. Kevin, do we have that queued up? The 61-yard field goal by the Spanish Eagles play-by-play man. Jake Elliott, C. Senor. i a drama. C. Senor.
0: C. Senor. I would wear a t shirt that just says, I hope that someone in Philly is printing that. Just says C. Senor five times in the front. Or just Jake Elliott, C. Senor.
1: Having the time of his life. We have had uh, kind of a theme going.
0: Did you see the video also of Jake Elliott's dad having to try to compose himself? I think we were kind of all his dad for a moment there. That was beautiful. Yeah,
1: everybody who's ever had a kid kind of. What
0: a kick, Don, 61 yards, and it was true and through.
1: I mean, and and think about this. The Giants scoreless for three quarters, score
0: 24 in the fourth quarter, and don't win. Right. That's amazing. Three touchdowns. Odell Beckham wakes up. Their offense comes to life. We finally see the spark, and we're thinking, yep, seen this before. Giants playing dead, and then in week three, and I think it's even happened against the Eagles before, against an NFC East opponent, a rival. They rise from the dead, and here come the Giants. I tell you, my Eagles here. You're right. My Eagles, they're a team. The Giants pick is looking very, very suspect at this point. The NFC East completely just snow-globed this past weekend. Dallas, Dak on the run Monday night, dropping 55-yard dimes against his body. Wentz is the real deal, and it cost him a game check, too, for that kid to make the 61 We'll see yard. about that. Yeah, I'm we'll not buying it. that. I
1: bet he does it. I bet he does something. I, I, he's not giving the kickers $31,000 game check. Oh, it's worth it to me. Uh, it's Yeah, but Carson Wentz doesn't make all that much, I mean, right. by quarterback standard. Yeah, but we'll anyway, see. you digress, I yeah. digress. The, what, Redskins coming to life Sunday that night defense, against the Raiders. Yeah. The defense, unbelievable. Kirk Cousins had a game. The Raiders mailed it in. It was, and, and then you know, again the, the Bears knocking off the Steelers. Marcus Cooper's play, the, right. the, the Falcons Lions finish. Yep. Golden Tate ten inches from uh, the game winning touchdown and, and already had it Maybe taken less. off the
0: board. I know, and then the finish in Foxborough just across the board. The the Broncos getting shocked in Buffalo. It was a Seattle in Tennessee. I, it's the
1: kind of week that we really does get us addicted to the NFL because we love having our suppositions and our preconceived notions mm-hmm. blown to smithereens by the action. Even though, it, you know, we're supposed to be pundits who know the league. I love when we don't know anything, and when people try to tell you they do about right. this league they're lying and hope hope
0: you buy it. I think preconceived notions getting dashed against the rocks and setting such a low bar of expectations began with Thursday night and that was indicative that was a that was a harbinger of things to come. We we were just we were tuned in so tight to the frequency of protest that we took our minds off the game for a while. And out of nowhere comes the the healing balm, the salve at least to those of us that, you know, haven't started front yard jersey burning parties that football came in and just treated us to one of the best Sundays in a long time. We expected little and we got a lot in return. Yeah,
1: it's the best kind of week because it's the kind of week that left you wanting more. And you remember as we talked in weeks 1 or 2, it didn't leave you wanting more. You were like, "Eh, is this all there is? Where's the offense? Where's, you know, where's the drama? The games weren't close." Week 3 comes in and kind of rescues the moment. Um not that I wanted, you know, the games to be thought of more importantly than what was going on before the games. But the games were a great compliment to remind, it just reminded us why we were all g- gathered around our TVs or at the stadium watching the spectacle every week uh, for 20 plus weeks in, in the fall and winter.
0: Yeah. It's, it, I can't believe it, but we're recording this on a Wednesday morning and I'm jonesing for bears Packers on a Thursday night already.
1: All right. So I, I've already referenced the Bears and and the Marcus Cooper play, but I want your take. I want to name top billing in the Premature Celebration Hall of Fame uh mr cooper the,
0: the premature <laughs> celebration does happen to a lot of us no need to consult it, your doctor. it
1: really does no. leon let
0: obviously that happened in the super bowl well, biggest but, stage makes that the most famous one
1: but that's neither here nor there because it was a blowout and i i i think that should factor in or deshaun jackson monday night football when he was a rookie mm-hmm. dropping the ball at the one because he was styling right. i want to say i want to say that was against dallas so to me those are my three nominations I want to hear your number one, and then I'll give you
0: mine. Marcus Cooper is the clear-cut new favorite. He's clubhouse leader now because that could have cost them a game. Now, this isn't a game that's going to necessarily vault the Bears into playoff contention, but might be one of two or three wins that they get on the season, and a shocking one at that, though I do subscribe to the idea that maybe the Steelers were a little off their game for a number of reasons yeah, on they were. Sunday. Yeah. Uh, losing sleep before and maybe after. See...
1: I'm going with Cooper simply because he had to know better. Because Deshaun Jackson and Leon Lett already happened. It's there's 2017. N- there's never an excuse anymore for anyone saying, no. wow, I didn't know something like that could happen. Because He had we a
0: 25-yard know- lead, Don.
1: 25-yard lead, and he slowed down. Yeah. When everyone in the stadium could see what was unfolding, but him, I couldn't believe that Bears fans aren't yelling "Run!" like in, in unison at that moment. People
0: in the end zone just like trying to ask, like, This no, it was this like way, it was like one way. of those
1: dreams you have where you you just can't quite mm-hmm. grasp whatever you need to grasp for safety or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was, but it was unbelievably uh, brain fartish, I, I think is the only
0: uh, Leon Lett is still my favorite. Yes, it was a blowout, but mostly just because. Uh, the 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 streaking Don Beebe, Beebe yeah. I can't I can't shake the, the image of him well, just it was like his closing moment. a fifty yard that was everything that was everything Don Beebe that was everything Buffalo Bills like oh, so close we made a great play it just didn't lead to victory
1: and then back to the uh, Eagles Giants for a minute Beckham people ask me are the you know the John Mara is disturbed by the mm-hmm. end zone celebration. Of course he's got to say that. Right. Of course he is. Let's get real I'll be
0: honest. It was an odd choice.
1: It was an odd choice. It was an odd choice. It's a little over the line. But let's be honest here. Did you see those catches? Mm -hmm. No one else can do that. They're not going to come down too hard on him. He is their number one. He is their offense. He really is. When he's out there, they're one thing. When he's not. So let's keep reality in mind. They will probably put on some show or display of displeasure. But they're not going to tire or lose patience with Beckham he no. is he's a game changer, and those catches said all you need to know about where he ranks in their hierarchy
0: there's in front of the cameras and behind closed doors in front of the cameras they need to chide and shame him mildly for it or at least try to speak to better behavior and a higher form of football decorum, especially because they're the New York football giants but behind closed doors you got to let that slide that's your that's that's playmaker. That's franchise. That's moneymaker, That's your offense. Exactly. And, and also, week three. How about a stable of amazing catches too? How about the Cleveland kid? The twenty-six year. His his ode to Beckham with one hand down the sideline and against Tyree. The Colts?
1: I said on Twitter. Um, and forgive me, I am totally blanking. It was his first career catch, if you can believe that. He'll never mm-hmm. top it. Um, and I'm still blanking on his name. But anyway, the Cleveland I think his Browns' last
0: name was Leslie.
1: Yeah, I think that might be right. Um, His first career catch, I described it as one part Beckham's suction cup hand and one part David Tyree helmet catch. Jordan Leslie. Jordan Leslie. Thank you, Kevin. Unbelievable catch. Give yourself a raise, Collins. I don't think he'll ever, ever come close to that. And that was his first catch in the NFL.
0: And then the Brandon Cooks coming out party against Houston, Uh, his final catch that— the 30-yard dime Brady dropped to him by the side of the end zone, reels it in, and then double toe taps to fall face-first out of the end zone. And that's not just a catch. That's a game-winning catch.
1: I think we had more great catches in Week 3 a week. than any week that I can I'm remember. Step. Back. He, pumps. he throws it left. He's looking
0: for coach in the end zone. It's caught. Is he it? It's a touchdown! The hairs are all up on my arm. I can attest. Listen to it again. The hairs are up on my arm. I'm arms. not kidding, folks. Oh. Nick, Nick's just oh. got goosebumps. I got. Oh, I just got all the Foxborough feels listening to wow. that again.
1: Wow. I that mean, was.
0: At, what was all right? What was more impressive? I knew you to could you?
1: burp on command. I did yeah. not know that, uh, that you could get goosebumps. On on Great Iron Goosebumps. Wow.
0: Any time. What was the more impressive catch? Third and eighteen. Hey now. Third and eighteen to Amendola or yeah. the Cook's touchdown?
1: I, actually, I think Amendola's. It, the Cooks touchdown doesn't happen, I believe, unless the Amendola catch happens. Right. And it, when you're third and eighteen, everybody knows where you have to throw it. You got to go eighteen yards. Right. The Cooks touchdown. They at least had other plays. Mm-hmm. Right. They could have. They could have done that the next play. So Amendola. Just sorry to interrupt
0: you guys. Amandola kind of indirectly made the Cooks touchdown possible too, because if you look at the play design, he was kind of inside Cooks, like in the slot on that side of right. the field. Right. So he drew and coverage. He took the safety's right. attention right. just enough to give Brady that small window. So give me
1: Amadolr, Amadolr. Dola, the Dola, Handsome the Dola. Dola. You know what else? We look up after week 3 and unbelievably Kansas City and Atlanta are our last remaining undefeated teams. That's that's shocking and remember Miami and Tampa Bay started 1 and 0. They could be 2 and 0 both. Both got blitzed on right. the road the week after they looked great after taking A week off. So it made no
0: sense whatsoever. Tampa Bay just prolonged the career of Case Keenum by at least another season with a different team.
1: Unbelievable. That was the other story that I think came out of week three, is the incredible roller coaster. And I'm going to write a column for The Athletic this week. But the roller coaster that that, let's say, a third or a half of the league's quarterbacks go on. Because look at Blake Bortles. On the way up right. last week, after stinking in week two, Case Keenum. Everybody was like, "Oh, the Vikings are done unless Sam Bradford's on the field." Wrong. Nope. he, he throws up what three sixty nine, a career 369 high, three sixty nine and three touchdowns. You had Winston on the roller coaster down. You had two Cutler touchdowns, three picks. Yep. On the ro- Cutler on the roller coaster down. Rivers on the roller coaster down. Derek Carr, Simeon, and then you had Unflacco, and then you had guys like Bortles, Jacoby Brissett, uh, McCown. Mm-hmm. Josh McCown played a good game Goff played another good game Keenum, Watson Unbelievable diversity I think of performance in the first three weeks By about half the quarterbacks In this league
0: Did anyone, I mean did anyone See the Ravens going into London And losing by 37 To the 86 Bears defense <laughs> That Listen Hashtag Jagwagon, I'm telling you <laughs> Get on board right now. Don't say that. Get on board right now. Clean it up, Kev. Clean it up. (laughs) I'm telling you, that defense. (laughs) That's a ferocious. Two out of three weeks. Two out of
1: three weeks, it has looked like the 86 Bears defense. Unbelievable. But then the week in between, not so much. So uh, again, but all right, so Kansas City, Atlanta. that's our Super Bowl matchup, right? I mean, they're three and zero, right and nothing now? could possibly change over the next fourteen weeks. Oh or no, so.
0: I, I I can remember every season after three weeks. We well, are done. Predict... We're, we're done. The we're print just... the
1: tickets. This is just playing out the string. Print the tickets. Print the program. So, which one of those three and O's goes further? Uh, I was asked this um, on Patriots this week, and I answered my answer, and I'm going to ask you the same question. Which one, Kansas City or Atlanta? Atlanta. I like I like Atlanta too. I like
0: Atlanta. Uh, comparable defense. I mean, the defense in Kansas City has better highs and bigger highs and lows. Yes, but I think the defense in Atlanta, given the NFC landscape, is going to be potentially. I I have them going to the NFC Championship as is. So I, I oh boy, yeah. The way things are looking right now, they kind of look like the cream I, of the crop. But I you went know Atlanta. Doing? They're winning games. That's two of their three games too. Don kind of ugly. They were ugly, but all that matters is the singular stat with the dub road wins. Yep. Yeah.
1: I I went Atlanta too because you kind of t- hinted at it, but I think it's easier to win the NFC than the AFC this year. Uh, yeah, w- just based on look, Seattle's inspiring no confidence, Green Bay. Eh. Mm-hmm. I mean they're two and one, but they they don't look like a juggernaut. Dallas doesn't look like a juggernaut. So Atlanta, yeah, why not? So I have Atlanta going further than Kansas City at the moment, and that's a temperature reading that I'm sure will change. 14. The times. Raiders
0: are better than the performance they put on Sunday night the Patriots offense gets going like that, even with the last scoring defense in the NFL, Pittsburgh's much more, be- much more capable of a decent game or uh, a playoff effort than what they showed. And who knows what we're going to get out of the AFC South. I think they kind of snow-globed a little bit Sunday, too, because right. Watson popped and really shined against, well, it was against the Patriots. But still, we can see big things from him. The Jaguars' defense is intermittently unstoppable. And Tennessee... Uh, Tennessee uh, showed me something because
1: uh they out-Seattled Seattle they used to be Seattle used to be the team that would smash you in the mouth, Uh push you around exert their will over your will
0: Tennessee did that to Seattle 195 yards on the ground the lack of a running game has written the offensive line play back to what we have talked about a number of times, the drum that we've beaten on every week that's going to be the death of that team. Yeah.
1: no, But I, I was impressed with the Ten- Tennessee Titans' effort because that's what Seattle wants to do. I'm not sure it can do it anymore. Mm-mm. And the Titans kind of gave them a, a big dose of their own medicine.
0: AFC is going to be much more of a tire iron fight to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, quick props in hip-hop, though, to uh, Kareem Hunt. This kid. He's, he's legit. Not only is he legit, he was the number two running back coming into the season. Now, maybe he would have surpassed. Sebastian Ware at some point, but due to injury, someone just got well. Someone just got Wally pipped out there in the land of good barbecue. He's almost double the average of the second yards per carry leader in the NFL. Right.
1: And now. has he not kind of closed out all three of their wins with like a late right. long touchdown? He's like the guy who comes around at five till two and says, you know, you you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. This
0: is this is done. This well, is no, over. he says that and then he steals your girl too. Exactly. Uh He's coming in right now, he's looking like uh, uh, the spirit of Marshall Falk with a uh, little Ladanian Tomlinson and every other running back that Kansas City has put, you know, from Larry Johnson at his peak, uh, Priest Holmes, unbelievable what this kid's doing.
1: All right, we would be remiss if we didn't also weigh in on this. Uh, lots of shaky officiating last week. Um, I thought there were two calls, obviously the offensive pass interference call, that defined ticky tacky to me against mm-hmm. San Francisco's receiver when it would have given him a first down, put him in field goal range. They might have beaten the Rams in that in that shootout slugfest um, in Santa Clara. That call or the Von Miller <laughs> unsportsmanlike, too slow, Tyrod Taylor. You just got punked. Right, uh, hand
0: up. Call which one was the worst for you? One was a one was kind of a phantom football call. The other I'd actually just never seen before. So I'm going to go with the Von Miller one I, just too. because because of the new, the unique nature of it being able to claim firsties. Like that's like I've I've never seen any. They were both like laughing.
1: That. They were both laughing. Did and, you see that?
0: And when they both laugh, shouldn't the ref just should? Can't they pocket it and say there was no follow? That the play? is
1: when the ref and I, I believe the ref did not see their faces. He really couldn't from that angle. That's when the ref has to say, wait a minute, we really are the no fun league if I can't handle that. We we look petty, we look uptight. Right. And it was ludicrous. I was glad to see, you know, the talking heads that used to wear zebra stripes, Mike Pereira who I love, Dean Blandino, not so much, both said that was a ridiculous call. Mm. Cannot be cannot be called. And frankly
0: 69, offense, he giving them the business. <laughs> still, still the greatest call ever. That had. was a great and call. And in a Buffalo game, too, I believe. I think it was, yeah. Uh, uh, quick reminder from the cheap seats in the land of football animals Hey, refs, we don't pay to see you. No, no. We don't pay to see you.
1: It's not the Ed Hockey, Hockey Lee show starring Ed Hockey. There's Lee. no delay
0: of game. We didn't let the team go because we were stretching our balls. <laughs>
1: Was that Ed Hockley? Okay, so every two tickets for the gun show. please. Every game Ed uh, referees turns into the Ed Hockley show, starring Ed Hockley. And, yeah, and that's not what we're paying, even if we get
0: in free. How'd you feel about the call at the end of the Detroit game? Even if it is maybe technically the right call, doesn't that also feel like in in 21st century football America, where we can look at everything yeah. down to the milliframe? A little, a that's little a touchdown.
1: Yeah, a little cheap, but. I, they did get the call right. I wish they had not the called. Runoff? I uh, wish they had not called the touchdown and then taken the touchdown off the board. Right. Um, and yes, the runoff. It feels a little like you know you don't even get a shot to to make amends because
0: their error ends up punishing Detroit and game over. And you don't give the Lions a chance to finish the game. How about run it down to one second so at least yeah. we get a play?
1: I know it does feel it does feel a little or cheap. like one
0: untimed down. You know yeah. how they do that? Yeah, just make it zero and just right. say.
1: F- Last play. Right, right, right.
0: Well, T- all right. Turkey Bowl style.
1: We've covered almost everything. We have a great guest. We have David Marinus. He is an author, a Pulitzer-winning author, um, obviously did a great biography of Bill Clinton back in 93. But the book we went to talk to him about um, today on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stephen, When Pride St- uh, Still Mattered, the Vince Lombardi biography that he did came out in 2000. I just thought, uh, obviously, week three was kind of an intersection between NFL football and, and the political discourse in our country. And David is a huge, massive Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, I used to be a neighbor of his in Madison, Wisconsin. He lives half the year there, half the year in Washington. He's going to join us uh, this morning on the Cover dun, 2 dun, podcast. Dun, 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 dun. Go, Pack, go. <laughs> to talk about the NFL in Week 3, to talk a little bit about Vince Lombardi, what his take might have been on Week 3 in the NFL. We're joined now by David Marinus. David, how are you? Good morning.
2: I'm great, uh, thanks. Good morning to you.
1: We are uh, doing a little preview of Week 4, look back at Week 3, but I wanted to talk to you first and foremost. and For our listeners, David is the associate editor at the Washington Post, also a uh, prolific Author of books, his seminal work on Vince Lombardi, when pride still mattered, um, came out in hard to believe, David, September two thousand. It has been seventeen years since that book hit the shelves. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is hard to believe. I'm I was thinking I was thinking it was ten years, and I looked it up last night and could not believe it's been out that long. But. Um, there was a story yesterday that my my former sports illustrated colleague uh Peter king did on s i dot com or the Monday morning quarterback uh Peter who was just on the show a couple of weeks ago on our podcast uh has done a book edited a book i should say dr z the lost memoirs of an irreverent football writer the gr- the great paul Zimmerman um uh, yep. kind of his memoirs he he did a um Paul did an interview with Vince Lombardi in May of 1970, uh, just months before um, Lombardi died of cancer. And at that point, you know, we were well into athletes taking social activism stances. We were obviously well into the counterculture movement. Um, And Paul did this interview with Vince Lombardi expecting a certain answer when he asked the question about Lombardi's take on all the social unrest in May of 1970. And instead, this is what Lombardi said. They're showing an awareness of things. They're making themselves heard, meaning the young people of the country and the athletes. They have a right to say what they want, and it behooves us to listen. I don't know. My own lack of awareness in my own little sphere, maybe I didn't see things the way I should have. My kids tell me things and sometimes I have trouble understanding them. Well, I've got to learn. David, as someone who is a biographer of Vince Lombardi, you've probably been asked this before, but how do you think Vince Lombardi would have reacted to week three in the NFL 2017?
2: First of all, let me say that that Dr. Z uh, got to actually interview Vince Lombardi. I never did. By the time I was starting my book, he was long gone. So I have a great respect for Paul in, in that. And one of the um, important things I discovered in doing my biography was that Vince Lombardi was a much more complicated figure than he was presented to be either by the right or left during that very contentious period of the late 60s and early 70s. Um, but there are two things that are important to understand. One is that Uh, Race was a defining issue for Vince Lombardi. He had felt discriminated against his entire life because he was a dark-skinned Italian-American, and in Green Bay really took enormous steps to try to help um, the black athletes up there. Um, He was also um, sort of an old-school guy during a period when the culture was claiming and changing around him, and he was very patriotic. So those sort of a clash there between um, his strong views on race and his strong views about America. But as as that interview with, with Dr. Z showed, he was he was trying to figure things out at a time when the culture was clashing and changing around him. So um, Vince Lombardi was a very smart, adaptable human being, not the, the uh, stereotype caricature that he sometimes presented as. And I think he would be... Um, very much the the most important thing to him always was team. And so whatever it took to keep his team together today, I think he would do. and I think that in in large part meant understanding the life stories of the black athletes, not making this a story about the national anthem of patriotism, but about the the lives of the of the black young men that he was dealing with.
1: David, you know, Lombardi's Catholicism meant a great deal to him as well. Um, yes, and you know he was he was he was a Kennedy fan as well in the '60s. That believed very much um, in civil rights and um, and that movement. I want to say and I'm doing this from memory from your book, but did he campaign for Bobby Kennedy in '68 or did it not come to that step? I know he supported him.
2: He was a strong supporter of of the entire Kennedy family um, and was particularly uh, struck by the assassination of JFK and then supported Bobby, yes, um, in 68. Um, And a lot of that had to do with his feelings about uh, social justice. Um, You know, it's also been noted and was first revealed in my book that that uh, Vince had a, a gay brother, and it's you know way ahead of his time, and an issue that still isn't really dealt with in the NFL, which has to do with with, with gay rights. Um, so, uh, yes, he was a very devout Catholic. He was also a very progressive thinker.
1: Where do you think Vince? I mean, project for me. Uh, last Sunday, Vince would have been where, locked arm in arm. Um as so many coaches were, with his players on, on a sideline in Green Bay or Washington?
2: I'm not sure what he would have done last week. I think that this week I've noticed today that that the Packers are calling for uh, the entire stadium at Lambeau Field Thursday night to lock arms, um, which will be a fairly controversial thing and, and relatively conservative now uh, the Fox River Valley in Wisconsin. Um, but Lombardi would be all for that. He would be rocking arms with his
1: team. David, I'm just interested in your take on on last week, and and then looking ahead, where you think the story goes from here. Do you believe it's up to the president as to whether he further engages on this topic? Do you think it's the widespread protests continue? Do you believe that you know nothing short of someone stepping up, an owner stepping up, and signing Kaepernick will keep this story at the forefront? What's your, uh, what's your sense of where this story is at as we approach week four?
2: You know, I, I'm not sure I have a, a little bit of contradictory feelings about that. On the one hand, um, it seems that in this modern culture, everything sort of comes and goes quickly and something else takes its place. On the other hand, I've heard some people describe um, Trump's tweets on race as sort of a bright, shiny object to distract people from other issues. I couldn't disagree more with that. Race is not a bright, shiny object. It is the American dilemma. Um, And so I think that in that sense, this will always be there. And I think uh, in many ways, uh, Trump is, of course, he's even explained that he's playing to his white Southern base on this. Um, But he might have um, misjudged America in terms of how important black athletes and sports are in this country and the respect that people like lebron james and steph curry and aaron Rodgers and martellus bennett and other and michael bennett have in this
0: in this nation david this is don's co-host nick stevens i couldn't agree with you more and we can only hope that uh hi it's great to hear from you sir uh we can only hope that more open dialogues like the one that Panthers owner Jerry Richardson just started with his team continue across the league because, you know, from such a rift and a divide maybe will come understanding dialogue uh, and togetherness. Now, uh, turning a page quickly to the current state of football affairs, we're three weeks into uh, – a. Topsy-turvy season to say the least. First two weeks were yeah. less than less than stellar. Week 3 was absolutely captivating to say the least and that has nothing to do with the sidelines. And one of the games of the week was Packers Bengals. Give us your take cuz I know you're a big Packers guy. Goal pack goal. Uh, give us your take on the current state of affairs sure. with the Packers and how you see the season shaking out, because they, like a lot of other teams around the league, are already about 12 weeks banged up, and we're not even through September yet.
2: Boy, isn't that true. You know, I was actually at the game in Lambeau. Um, mm. I tried to go to one game a year, and, and that was the one that I was available for. So um, the first half was pretty rough. Uh, you know, the, the the offensive line was was banged up. They've always had trouble in the secondary, and that seemed to be the case again. Um, Aaron Rodgers even threw uh, a pick six, which is incredibly rare. I think he's thrown two of those in his career, maybe. Um, but then some positive signs showed up, especially, I would say, Josh Jones, a, a rookie safety, who looked like the type of player the Packers haven't had in quite a while. He's tough and strong and fearless. Um and can can really do it all in the in the in the defensive backfield, which is what they needed more than anything. Um, and Rodgers in those final few drives showed how brilliant he is. So um, there's still causes for concern with the Packers, but um, I think that that they're you know if they can get through this period of injuries, uh, they're going to be there
0: in the end. Yeah, there's a load um, of talent on that and, team for sure.
2: Yeah, there really is, and. and and they needed both Josh Jones and the other rookie uh, defensive back, Kevin King, to to start playing. And I think that, that as the year goes on, those two are going to make a big difference back there.
0: Yeah, a familiar drum that Don beats on every week is how poor offensive line play is always going to get you in trouble and is going to prevent talented teams, especially ones with legendary quarterbacks like the Packers have now, and Rodgers, from being able to achieve their dreams and having Bulaga and Bakhtari Banged up. I mean, we've seen across the league teams with offensive line problems. It gets gets ugly quick. It it gets ugly real quick. It
2: does. I mean, there were five. Rodgers was sacked five times in the first half um, and still came back and won, which is only a testament to his incredible talent. But yeah, they need Bakhtiari and Bulaga um, to be healthy for that team to to go as far as they want to go.
1: David, we'll let you go with one more question. Talking, you know, kind of elite quarterbacks. This is a podcast on Patriots.com. Is there anything <laughs> that you can add to the 40-year-old magic of Tom Brady at this point that hasn't already been added? Uh, and I wonder, <laughs> would he make a good book subject someday, or do you think... I mean, I don't know. His no, life is so is. vanilla in some ways and so glamorous in other ways. What, what is it? What yeah, is his prospects know, my, as my, a book?
2: My buddy uh, Mark Leibovich, um from the new york times uh i think is doing a book um it's not entirely about brady but he spent a lot of time with him um it, you know i think brady is phenomenal my parents went to the university of michigan my dad i remember him coming back from a game when brady was in college and saying this guy is is the real deal so maybe my father was a better scout than the nfl scouts wow um but um uh no Brady Brady is an exceptional football player I'm not sure how interesting he is as a human being I think Aaron Rodgers is much more interesting off the field
1: Oh absolutely and I and you know what I'm glad you brought that up that your dad saw Brady's greatness because it reminded me I was once when we lived in Madison I took uh, my youngest son Micah to a Badgers game I want to say it was in 09 and he was like dad uh-huh. Dad, this J.J. Watt guy—I don't know if you know him, but he's going to be a great NFL player. And I was like, "Who?" And he was like, "J. J. Watt. He's a junior. You should watch him. He's going to—he's a great pass rusher." And Micah broke that story in our in our little family. So
0: I always uh, well,
2: between your son and my dad, they make a good uh, scouting
1: team. Absolutely. Hey, hey,
0: listen. All I want to add is the fact that Sunday we were treated to Aaron Rodgers' first overtime comeback and Tom Brady the 40-year-old guy who's waiting to fall off a cliff any day now. That was his eighth game-winning touchdown that he threw with less than a minute to go in the game. So as far as all these awesome new quarterbacks, what a treat it is to watch the old men do their thing.
2: Oh, that's for sure. I mean, there's... Few things more fun in sports than watching those great quarterbacks at work.
1: David, thank you so much. Tell us what you've um, what you're working on these days. I believe your most recent book is "Once in a Great City," a Detroit story uh, about that yeah, great that's city right. of uh, your your birth city. Correct.
2: I was born there, um, yeah, and that book is going to be a four part documentary on CNN at some point. Um, I hope. I think they're filming it now. And my next book is on the McCarthy era. Not Mike McCarthy, not the (laughs) Packers coach, but uh, I knew that,
1: David. I knew (laughs) that.
2: And the Red Scare.
1: When and when uh, when is that hopefully going to hit the shelves? I'm, I'm
2: just starting to write it. So okay, it's, a, it's about a year and a half off. I I've know, finished my research.
1: I'm proud to say I used to have coffee with David at this little coffee shop near our house on Monroe Street in Madison, while he was working on the um, Barack Obama book. Correct? It was right around there. Right. Yeah. Yep. And it was a long process, but I got updates. David Marinus, thank you so much for your time. Uh, the intersection of politics and NFL were unavoidable in Week Three, and I thought you were the perfect person to uh, help us discuss it on the Cover 2 podcast. Be well.
2: Okay, Don. Thanks a lot, and you too, Nick. Take care.
1: Thanks, David. All the best. Okay, we thank David Marinus once again. Uh, You know, he's a guy that I thought, Nick, um, would have something insightful to say, and frankly, I'm a sponge. I'm a bit of a political junkie. Uh, I love his writing. Um, When I found out he lived like six blocks from me, I, I used to uh, borderline stalk him and, and get coffee with him in a coffee shop in Madison. But he's a really interesting guy. And uh, Wisconsinites, by nature, are just good people, fun to talk to.
0: He's got a real informed perspective. He's got a great history, too. And uh, just checking out his Amazon page, uh, there's a lot of books that I've considered reading that I'm going to dive of them. deep into now. Yeah, his Clemente so think-
1: book is excellent. Too, if there's any Roberto Clemente fans out there. And this there.
0: one, They Marched into Sunlight. Appreciate that, the recommendation. It was a great interview.
1: That's actually my favorite book, of Vietnam-era uh, book, a uh, story of, of that troubled time in our nation's history. Speaking All right. of
0: marching into sunlight, how about Week 4? <laughs>
1: All right, marching into Week 4. Here we go. I actually think there's at least a half dozen games I'm kind of uh, excited about, and I'm going to start with Steelers-Ravens. Not because they played great last week. Actually both came off of really dispiriting road losses and looked bad in doing so. But it's Steelers Ravens. But
0: that's perfect for the Steelers Ravens formula. The the game that has been most aptly described as three hours of human car accidents. Exactly. They play as tough this is one this as this physical. may still be the best rivalry left in football.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And and these you teams know we, don't like each other. We use Smash Mouth a little too liberally, mm-hmm. but these two teams really play a level of physicality that I don't think uh, two other rivals get to so that's it's an interesting game the Steelers kind of had a, a tumultuous week they've they've kind of done a lot of post-mortem in terms of their mm-hmm. decision last uh, s- Sunday to kind of you know stand down so to speak and stay in the locker room for the anthem so I think they're going to be a little bit of a frustrated team uh, against Baltimore and then you had the Ravens completely embarrassing the organization and laying an egg in london Mm -hmm. and john harbaugh already saying no more london for us Mm -mm. so that's Mm. that's an interesting game
0: they'll take it out on each other and i think also speaking of uh north how about switching over to the nfc real quick lions vikings
1: that's a better game than I'm on that yeah and and again the lions they're both two and one detroit loses that heartbreaker at home against atlanta um but their their coach gets a new contract so there's a little more stability there with jim Mm -hmm. caldwell and i really i kind of like the way the lions are put together right mm-hmm. now and they gave atlanta all they wanted and then you got the vikings who made tampa bay look bad at home so suddenly that's a game that commands our attention mhm
0: also uh i is it wrong for me to say i'm kind of looking forward to uh or at least i'll be interested in the highlights from rams cowboys yeah it's so, shot like from from the I bet I'll watch it because it'll go over department. Right. I'd like to say I think now, offensively, what I saw Dak Monday night on the road and definitely what I saw from Goff and company last week with McVay calling the plays, I think this actually might be this might be a fun watch. And that Dallas defense, too.
1: Yeah, I think we're in that range now with Goff. Like We're intrigued. We want to see more. Like, all right, right. we're not 100% sold that this is real. But I agree with you. The Young
0: sh- Gosling can throw the ball. He
1: he he looks like a different quarterback. It it I made the comparison last year was training wheels on a on a, a bicycle and then now he's on a Tour de France racer mm-hmm. and he looks like he's doing everything instinctively. And I love the Sean McVay play calling. Tell you what else, another little tangent. I love the Sean McVay is so comfortable in his own skin and he knows what he doesn't know. And he's letting Wade Phillips completely run the defense while he goes and sits on the sideline and works on his next offensive possession play calling. I think that's cool. I think it shows that he's not on an ego trip.
0: No, that's great executive leadership. That's that's understanding your limitations and t- deferring appropriately to experience. Bringing in Wade Phillips was a brilliant yes. move. First, gra- I think actually the second great move, him being the first one, hiring McBaby, and the first good one, that the Rams have taken. There's a team that that people may actually soon get excited about seeing in the as yet built $2 billion wonder stadium 3 years from now.
1: And then we've got Raiders Broncos, which mm-hmm. again, the Raiders need a, a bounce back after the the really the no-show mm-hmm. Sunday night at Washington, and the Broncos go to Buffalo and once again, they couldn't take what they've done at home as we've seen in the last couple years on the road. So Trevor Simeon needs a bounce back. Derek Carr needs a bounce back. Um, both teams lost in the Eastern Time Zone, and they're getting back to a friendlier time zone.
0: Mile High and the no-fly zone is not exactly the place that you want to go to cure what ails you after having a bad week in Washington, like Derek Carr did. Yeah,
1: I, I just I, I think that's an interesting game now because both teams suddenly feel like they really need it because um, they don't they don't want to have obviously a two-game losing streak after starting the season with a two-game winning streak.
0: Is your intrigue piqued by Giants Buccaneers because? the Giants may legitimately be playing for their season.
1: Yeah, I guess you have to look at it like 0-4. I mean, the, the 92 Chargers of Bobby Ross, only 0-4 team to rebound, make the playoffs. So there's that history. I also think Ben McAdoo is losing this team. So it's it's got a sense of urgency rating is sky high. Mm-hmm. Not that I think it's going to be great football uh, between the Giants and the Bucks.
0: No, but if they could... Treat Case Keenum to a 369 and three touchdown Sunday delight. Imagine what Eli, a motivated Eli, and Odell could do to them Sunday.
1: What about your Panthers uh, Patriots matchup? What do you uh, What are you expecting? I don't know. With Cam Newton still not completely right, Greg Olson out with a broken foot. Matt Khalil hasn't played center in two weeks for Carolina and Kelvin Benjamin left the game
0: he's got a twisted knee
1: this is not the Carolina offense that we were expecting to see this is uh this is let's be patient as Cam Newton
0: said and see what unfolds as the season goes on so with a not right Newton Christian McCaffrey and Devin Funches, and maybe Curtis Samuel coming in as the offensive threat against the Patriots you'd think this is exactly what they need to help what ails them. At the same time, would you be surprised if all of them don't have their best numbers of the season? I mean, the Patriots' defense. Right. I'm not stepping out on uh, thin ice here. It's not good.
1: It has not been good. It's, and It's and very ungood so Matt far. Patricia, the defensive coordinator, came out and said, we need to do a better job when quarterbacks get out of the pocket, and boy, mm-hmm. is that right. I mean, they have not dealt with quarterbacks who are –
0: mobile at all. It it looked like a lot of stand and not react. It looked like you got him. looks like everybody is sort of like passing him off to the next guy. Everyone is sort of assembly lining, except eventually you get to that last guy and then there's no other guy behind you. Should be noted, Deshaun Watson, welcome to the NFL. Talent to spare. Been in on him for a long time. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't as much wow, the Patriots really need better communication and holy moly, do they miss Hightower with a splash of Welcome to the NFL, Watson. Okay.
1: Lastly, the Monday Nighter is good. Washington and Kansas City, two and one versus three and zero. I think that's you know suddenly now two offenses that you really want to watch. Mm-hmm. Washington had a lot going for it with Kirk Cousin against the Raiders. Could they go and beat the top two teams in the AFC West back to back? Everybody has kind of been relegating Washington to the. You know, the four spot in that division, um, they could look up if they can pull the upset on Tuesday morning and be three and one leading the tough NFC East.
0: If Kirk Cousins stays within himself, now that they got doxson going as well, pair him up with Terrell Pryor and the name escapes me for a second. Sorry, the other wide receiver. Um The wide receiving core of Washington is formidable, and now they've got a trio of running backs as well that they can trot in. That's a pretty high-powered offense that's going to come into Kansas City on a Monday night. That said, that's that's a loud stadium to try to go in and win a big game on a Monday night.
1: It is indeed. Yeah, they've been great at home over the years, and obviously they've got a pretty good formula going as well but mm-hmm. I, I, we can only hope the games give us what they gave us in week three the schedule looks much much mm-hmm. better than week three looks. right um but it doesn't work that way usually no. you jameson
0: just, crowder's the other guy excuse me jameson uh, crowder yeah that's good i think it's gonna that's gonna be a fun that's gonna be a fun one so this is actually a a tight slate and you know what okay so there's a little jags jets and another sunday uh another brunch with the nfl right will you be in on saints dolphins
1: not not, not as much. I mean, the Saints, to me, are the, roughly the same script every week. And I know they went into Carolina and won impressively last week. But I'm not buying the Saints. I think their defense is going to drag them down. And the Dolphins, yeah, we've seen one— you know, late escape against the L.A. Carson Chargers, and we've seen one egg laying against the Jets. So I'm not sure what we really have with the Dolphin Jet, and that that will not make my top six. No.
0: By the time we get to Colt Seahawks, I'll be enjoying the premiere of Curb Your Enthusiasm.
1: Yeah, I'll be. My head will be down. I'll be making snap judgments. So that does it for another Cover Two episode. Um, thanks for joining us. Thank you again to David Marinus Mar- who uh, gave us his insights. About Week Three and his uh, his belief of what Vince Lombardi might have said about Week Three in the NFL. At Don Banks on Twitter, you are at
0: Ahoy Nick Stevens. See si Senor, see si Senor,
1: see si Senor. Until we talk next week. Thanks for joining us. Take care.
0: Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Tucks it under the right arm. Tucks
1: it upfield. Driving forward. It's Diving to the goal gone 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 line. It's going A touchdown.
0: And a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.